This episode of On the Hop News is brought to you by Thinking Baseball, the only educational baseball app for coaches and players that allows users to see, hear, and touch the plays as they happen. Narrated by a legendary baseball broadcaster, Pat Hughes, and powered by a groundbreaking database, Thinking Baseball puts you on the diamond. Whether you're the cutoff man on a hit to the outfield or the first baseman trailing the batter on a sure double, everyone on the field has a job to do on every play. Learn to do it better with Thinking Baseball. Visit thinkingbaseball.com or download the free app from the Apple Store or Google Play today. It's time to get your head in the game. Today is May 6, 2019, and this is Monday's edition of On the Hop. Good morning, good morning, baseball enthusiasts. Welcome to On the Hop, a daily baseball podcast focused on delivering up-to-date news from around the league. A very busy weekend. Lots to cover today. Can't promise I'll get to everything, so here are the highlights. Let's begin. Let's start things off with a bang, shall we? Pitch number seven to Bruce. He swings, clobbers it high, deep into the wind, right field, track, wall, gone, grand slam! Red Sox have three hits in the inning, but none for extra bases. There's a high deep drive down the left field line. Hugging the corner. Back it goes. And it is gone. Xander Bogarts with a grand slam. Into center field. Back goes Trout. Still going back. He's looking up. Grand slam home run. Alex Brinkman. This one a high fly ball to deep left field. I thought he just won the ball game. He just won the ball game. Car rush. To deep left field, grand slam, walk off, pinch home run for Hunter Renfro. Oh, out to deep center field. Bader back. And it's gone. And the pitch to Aldis. Hit in the air to right and hit deep. Anderson looks up. It's the greatest of all home runs. Ozzy Aldis clears the bases. And the Braves move in front 5-2 to two on the grand slam by Aldis. Davis in the air. Deep left. It is gone. That's a grand slam. Jay Bruce's grand slam for the Mariners took place in the first inning. Xander Bogarts was in the eighth to put the game even further away. Alex Bregman's fifth inning grand slam put Houston ahead to stay and was his third of the two-game weekend series. Hunter Renfro's pinch hit slam in the ninth was the walk-off winner, and the only thing that could have killed that moment actually did with that awful broadcasting call. Chris Bryant's eighth inning grand slam just added insult to injury as they were already up 9-2. Ozzie Albee's grand slam in the seventh on Saturday put Atlanta up 5-2, and they would extend that lead to win the game. And the infamous Taylor Davis, who has garnered so much attention in Iowa with his camera stares, hits a grand slam Saturday in the fourth to tie the game against the Cardinals until Javier Baez's 11th home run in the eighth proved to be the winning run. Now, on June the 3rd, 2017, seven players hit Grand Slams and set an MLB record. But in my opinion, seven Grand Slams in one weekend is just the same. Not a record, but man, did it make for some interesting baseball. Since this barrage of Grand Slams has occurred previously in 2017, it's hard to say that this is the silver bullet and being convinced that the balls are juiced. But reports show that the spike in home runs actually came in the middle of the 2015 season. I think the onslaught of these Grand Slams is, however, just another piece of evidence that the balls are indeed juiced. Yes, hitters are getting better, but so are the pitchers. David Price speaks out again, and a quote directed to Major League Baseball, David Price says, Come on, just tell us. We all see it. Just come clean and say it. 
April, with the sprinkling of games at the end of March, witnessed the most home runs in any month in the history of baseball with 1,144. Craig Calcaterra of NBC Sports says that the first month of the season usually sees the lowest home run rates of the year due to the cold weather. It's only going to get worse or better depending on what you think of homers. I believe it was on May the 2nd. Manfred acknowledged that the ball is the issue, but it's something that's outside of his control. Since the baseball is manufactured by hand from natural products, there is going to be some variation in that consistency, and every ball isn't so easy. Calcaterra questions this notion by saying, It's hard to buy that, though, given that the home run rate spike across the board in the middle of the 2015 season, and it has not abated since. If it was random variation, there would be some, you know, variation. Even Justin Verlander had a little something to say after his performance in Monterey this weekend. This place is double the elevation of Chase Field, and we're not using a humidor, and the balls are already juiced, and I'm a 75% fly ball pitcher. I think that lines up for a tough day. I know I've covered juiced baseballs recently, but I felt it was worth emphasizing again due to the activities this weekend. This past Friday night, the Braves got their revenge. Atlanta's starting pitcher, Kevin Gossman, was tossed in the second inning after throwing a blistering fastball behind Marlins pitcher, Jose Urena. The ball passed behind his kneecaps, and surprisingly, Urena didn't have much of a reaction. This is the first time since last year that Urena has faced the Braves. Maybe he wasn't expecting it, but he probably should have. As we all know, last year, Urena deliberately threw at Braves budding star Ronald Acuna in the first at-bat and first pitch of the contest. Yes, I said deliberately. If you can watch that highlight and say it wasn't intentional, you have no business following baseball. Gossman's throw was also deliberate. I know I've often said that intent is hard to prove, but I've never said it was impossible. Here are a couple quotes after the game concerning Friday's incident. Braves manager Brian Snedeker said, Things happen during a game. We just kind of refocused and got back to work. False. Things don't just happen. You make them happen. Jose Orena said via an interpreter, That's the way they claim they are professional? I've never had anything against them. False. They are the ones keeping it going. And Kevin Gossman, Obviously, the umpires thought there was a reason behind it and decided to throw me out. False. They thought there was a reason because there actually was a reason. And Marlins manager Don Mattingly, when asked if the feud was over between the two teams, says, We'll see. False. It most definitely is not over. But what I really wanted to get to today was a recent article by David Hill at calltothepen.com. He says, the Atlanta Braves could not have made it more obvious that they were going to throw at Miami Marlins pitcher Jose Arena if they tried. Hill claims that the Braves' decision to promote Tuki Toussaint when he was scheduled to start in AAA on Friday wasn't just a baseball move. He says he was called up specifically to replace Gossman, and that was further proven by the fact that he was ready to go immediately once home plate umpire Jeff Nelson tossed Gossman. So, Toussaint got some work in, and the Braves got their revenge on Arena. Win-win. And in no surprise move, Sean Newcomb has been recalled to the Braves organization, but someone else was sent back down. Who do you ask? That's right, Mr. Toussaint. I do believe this theory has some merit. Either way, Kevin Gossman is actually set to start this evening against the Dodgers and claims that Friday was more of a bullpen session. I think that's exactly what it was because the plan was most definitely not to pitch past the third inning. Injured list updates. According to Bleacher Report, Paxton is the latest Yankee to head to the sidelines as the team put him on the 10-day injured list with knee inflammation. It was just barking for some reason. I don't think it's going to be anything long-term, Paxton said of his knee soreness. Paxton also added that it was an issue that he had been playing through all season, though he reached a tipping point during his Friday start. 
It just kind of got to a point where I was feeling it every pitch. Other starts, I wasn't feeling it on every pitch. I was able to work through it a bit better. Although Unduhar and LeMayhew return to the Yankees lineup this weekend, and Stanton, Gregorius, and a few others, minus Aaron Judge, are recovering nicely, the Yankees still aren't out of the woods yet. ESPN reports that Yankees manager Brian Cashman expects Luis Severino to remain on the injured list through the first half of the season. You won't see him until after the All-Star break in our minds, Cashman said. Severino is in the middle of the fourth week of six during which he isn't allowed to throw. You can check out the link in the show notes for Cashman's full update of other injured Yankees players. Bleach Report states that the Washington Nationals placed left fielder Juan Soto on the 10-day injured list Saturday because of back spasms. The move is retroactive to Wednesday. The team recalled outfielder Andrew Stevenson in a corresponding roster move. The Nationals are right up there in the ranks with the Yankees in regard to key contributors not actually contributing due to injuries. According to reporter Grant Paulson, they are without their starting shortstop, third baseman, and left fielder, as well as first baseman. But now, they're backup first baseman. According to ESPN, Matt Adams was placed on the 10-day injured list Sunday with a left shoulder injury. The move comes just seven days after starting first baseman Ryan Zimmerman was placed on the IL with plantar fasciitis in his right foot. Adams was hurt in Saturday's 10-8 victory over the Phillies when he jammed his left shoulder, making a diving out during the second inning. Oakland star outfielder Chris Davis left Sunday's game against the Pirates after crashing into a railing trying to make a play. He made a terrific play, but it cost him. Although he stayed in the game until the end of the inning, he was later replaced by Chad Pender in the second. Davis had gotten off to a hot start this year, but has cooled down as of late. Perhaps a couple of days of rest might help him get rid of that bad mojo. Bleacher Report states that the New York Mets pitcher Steven Matz will be evaluated for a nerve issue in his left arm. Manager Mickey Calloway says that his pitcher's forearm injury is something that's an issue. The nerve is a little irritated. Callaway also says that he has been battling the nerve issue for about two weeks. He missed his regular bullpen session, and it is doubtful that he will make his next start this Wednesday. Super quick takes. Let's go. Tigers DH Miguel Cabrera has shown a lack of power the last couple of years, and with only one home run this season, he tried his best to explain his issues. He says, you know Prince Fielder? You know who's hitting behind me now? That's a big difference, too. How am I going to hit 40 home runs? In the past, I got Prince Fielder, Victor Martinez, Johnny Peralta. I got a big bat behind me. You see the way guys pitch to me. That explains everything. Although, there is certainly some truth to this. If pitchers can pitch around a hitter with little risk, why shouldn't they? But players adjust, and you can't always wait on the perfect pitch to hit. Time to get creative. Side note, just you wait. I swear, just you wait until Manfred institutes some penalty, somehow, or a rule that discourages pitchers from throwing around sluggers. I am willing to bet my Muppet movie collection on it. According to every popular news outlet, pitcher Jake Peavy retires. According to Bleach Report, the Cincinnati Reds released veteran outfielder Matt Kemp on Saturday. Kemp was part of the L.A. Dodgers trade deal this offseason and what is considered a salary dump. Baseball columnist Joel Sherman says that Kemp's eight-year, $160 million contract has been traded four times already. Will any other team even give him a try? Kemp, who is on the injured list with the broken rib, became expendable when the Reds called up top outfield prospect Nick Senzel on Friday. By the way, Nick Senzel was called up. Yahoo Sports reports Eugenio Suarez, Jesse Winker, and Derek Dietrich all hit back-to-back-to-back homers for the Reds in the first inning on Sunday, pouncing on giant starter Jeff Schmarza for an early 4-0 lead. What's more impressive is they did it on three straight pitches. Nick Senzel broke the chain when he took a first-pitch strike from Jeff Schmarza. What a loser. Time to send him back down. The last team to accomplish this feat was the Dodgers in 2007. With Ryan Braun's two-run single in the bottom of the 18th, the Brewers came back to defeat the New York Mets Saturday night. What's even more impressive is Braun was 6-for-8 on the evening. The game-winning hit was his 6 of the contest. This is what he had to say. That's a game you badly want to win because if you do win it, it feels like you won two or three games. If you lose, it feels like you lost 10. 
Braun accounted for more than half of the Brewers' 11 hits during the game as well. During Christian Yelich's second at-bat, after coming off the injured list with a back issue, he blasted a home run that reached the third deck. It was his 15th home run of the season, and he now sits alone at the top of the home run rankings. This has been such an exciting first month of baseball, and no credit goes to pace of play. In similar fashion to Yasiel Puig's first game against his former team, the Los Angeles Dodgers, and teammate Clayton Kershaw, Manny Machado took no time creating the same scenario and result by homering in his first at-bat on Friday night against the Dodgers and Clayton Kershaw. He tipped his cap and admired it for sure. He took an 88-mile-per-hour slider and demolished it 437 feet. But again, just like Puig and the Reds, the L.A. Dodgers got the last laugh and won by the exact same score, 4-3. Quoting Yahoo Sports, when Chicago White Sox second baseman Jose Rendon was called on to pitch the ninth inning of their 6-1 loss to the Boston Red Sox on Friday night, he didn't come armed with a blazing fastball or a wicked curveball. Ephus pitches aplenty. Only two of his pitches registered on the radar at 59 miles per hour. The others were too slow to track. Here's the thing, though. The White Sox left the field with a 6-1 loss, but Rendon left with a perfect ERA. And finally, finally, the Cubs are suddenly in first place. When did this happen? They have picked up six games in the standings since April the 7th. In fact, according to ESPN, the Cubs were 2-7 before this date. Since then, 17-5. This quick recovery wasn't even something that Cubs manager Joe Madden expected. He said, I didn't really anticipate this. I talked about picking up one game a week. That's normally how you do it. You don't normally have this quick a rebound. The Cubs now sit a half a game ahead of the Cardinals, and hopefully this sparks a renewed rivalry in the Chicago-St. Louis storybook.